Hello and welcome to this week's episode from the Veg Grower Podcast. My name's Richard and I am trying to grow my fruit, vegetables and herbs in my allotment and my garden. Now coming up today, I have got the results of the garlic experiment that we have been running this year. And this was just to prove the theory that garlic needs a period of cold. But added to that, I have also got an interview with a company that uses sheep's wool for hanging in basket liners and starting seeds up. Find out more about that a little bit later on. But first, let's find out what I've been up to in my week in gardening. It is Friday the 1st of July 2022 today and I've taken a day off work today and I've just popped down to the allotment to tackle a few tasks. Now usually I would come down to the allotment after work throughout the week but because I had Friday off I um, I didn't bother so much. I was also at an event yesterday uh, which you'll hear a little bit later on but I'm paying the price for not coming down because my cherries have been stripped. The birds, as I always expected, have got to them and they have eaten a lot of them. So I'm not overly worried, to be fair, because we've got a lot of cherries at home in the freezer, as I said last week. So what we have got will do us. And I guess in some ways, birds need food as well. They've eaten a few of my cherries. I've got some, so I can't really complain too much. However, I have noticed there's a lot more fruits that are now ripe for picking. We've got gooseberries, we've got red currants, black currants, and surprisingly, blackberries. Now, I feel this is very, very, very early for blackberries. And in fact, I asked about this on my live show uh, last Sunday because I noticed they were nearly ready last week. And everyone is saying that their blackberries, there's no sign of them. So this must be just an anomaly. But these blackberries are really nice and juicy, absolutely delicious and and full of sweetness. So, yeah, I'm not complaining about them being early. Now, anyway, what have I been doing? So I've done quite a bit of weeding. The last week, it certainly has needed doing. The weeds have game like mad, so we've, uh, we've, we've pulled the weeds out again, got it into a good-looking state. Pulled the strimmer and the lawnmower out, of course, and run around the areas just cutting the grass. And I've taken the grass clippings over to my potatoes to mulch them. Now, I have harvested a few more of the rocket variety of potatoes, uh, which we're, we're eating regularly now. Oh, what I've noticed with potatoes, actually... The, um, the potatoes are starting to look a little bit like they're struggling, a little bit yellow. So what I've done, I've just taken some chicken manure pellets and some potato fertiliser feed and just gave them a good feed on the hope that they will perk them up. And I've also given them a good water. You know, this could be, we are in the summer now and it could just be a little bit on the thirsty side. We'll see if this has worked to perk them up. Now on the note of potatoes, what I've noticed with my potato experiment, you may recall, I've been doing an experiment this year where I've got four pots of different compost and I've planted into them all on exactly the same time with the same amount of compost in each pot, Charlotte potatoes, three seed potatoes per pot. The B&Q brand, the potatoes have pretty much died back. We'll give it another week and see what happens. 
The New Horizon and the Asda brand are looking rather yellow, but surprisingly, the Wix, which was the very last to show itself, is looking really nice and healthy. Some really green, sturdy looking plants. I cannot explain what's going on. Wix was six weeks later in showing itself in germination, but it is the healthiest and best looking plants that I've ever seen. So this is a rather interesting turn. Now I went around the rest of the plot and I noticed I've had this squash plant that popped up in my shallot bed. I wasn't sure what squash plant it was. I just left it to grow there because it's got to be something edible. I could tell it was a squash plant and I thought we'll see what happens. Well it had produced a fruit that looks like a thick stubby courgette. So I've harvested that and I'm going to take home to see if it is a courgette. It might not be. It could be a spaghetti squash. I'm not sure. It's... Um, one that we're going to keep an eye on and just see what develops. Now I've noticed on my rhubarb leaves have started to turn a crispy brown and I'm not sure what's causing that. Again I've given it a good watering and a good feeding and see if that perks it up. I've also harvested some rhubarb. I believe I did in this particular area last year I had three rhubarb plants and one of them suffered from this last year and that one hasn't came back this year so it may be it's something that's killing them off I'm not sure I'm going to keep a very very close eye on it and see just what happens now last week you may recall we harvested our autumn sown garlic and I was very very happy with the results from that but this year I did plant out some spring sown garlic as an experiment we were sowing it at different months to see just what the difference is. Well today I have harvested that garlic and I want to talk to you a little about what I've noticed with that. I've come into my shed with my spring sown garlic. This is a variety called Picardy White which was very kindly sent by Thomas Morgan. Now what I did with these is I wanted to run an experiment this year with sowing garlic at different times. And that is because we're always told that garlic needs a period of cold to split itself. But I've never heard anybody ever really challenge this idea. So what I did is I took one bulb and I sowed it in each month. So we sowed one in January, February, March, April and May. I was a bit unsure how this experiment was going to turn out and... I've, as I've been watching them grow, it was quite clear that the January planted bulbs were going to be much larger. Of course, they've been in the ground for longer. They just literally have done better on the outset. Now, on harvesting them, I can tell you that, yes, the January runs are much larger bulbs. And pretty much on par with my bulbs that were planted in the autumn zone. But the May ones... The May sown ones are very, very tiny. They're about the size of just a single garlic clove. So a little bit pointless. So what we want to do next is open them up and see what we've got. So we peeled away some of this papery outer. And yeah, as I suspected, the May is just a single garlic clove. It hasn't really uh, split into anything. But the January, what's the January done? Now it's a much larger bulb. And 
yeah we've got about 10 cloves in that one we've got quite a few of them so that has split as we would expect so let's carry on and check the rest so February what's that doing that's split as well so that's looking good March yeah that's split that's split not as well as the previous two but it's split April oh this is interesting April hasn't split at all it's just it's a the bulb itself is the size of a small garlic bulb but it's an entire garlic clove if that makes sense so it's an entire load of garlic hasn't split at all into different cloves so that's very very interesting just going to check another one of the aprils just to see if that's a one one off no it the the, the second one has a, an entire garlic clove as well in a round ball so very 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 interesting now what this, uh, what this concludes and tells me is that if we plant our garlic any later than March, it doesn't really worth doing. So we want to get it January, February, March. On the January, February, March one, a pretty good size compared to the autumn sown ones. This year has been a difficult year for garlic because we had such a dry spring and a lot of people have been struggling with that. So uh, I did well because I mulched my garlic and I think that does make a difference. I didn't mulch these garlic. That's the only thing I did differently compared to our autumn sown ones, but I did water them quite regularly. Now, of course, the thing, next thing I want to see is how well they store, and that is only a down to time, and that's something we're not going to get into on this podcast, but it's something we will refer back to later on throughout this year. But what it concludes to me is that they definitely do need that cold spell. It's not a myth, it's something that they definitely need, so... I've learned something. Hope you've learned something from this too. If you've done a similar experiment, obviously I'm on the south coast of the UK. We get quite mild climate. If you've done a similar experiment, I'd love to know how you got on with that too. Right, let's get back to the gardening. It is Sunday the 3rd of July 2022 today and I'm in my patio garden at the moment. And... What I've done today is I've gone through every single one of our gardens with a bit of a, a chance to organise and see how they are all doing. And what I've noticed, so the front garden, I went out there first of all and a lot of watering had to be done with the plants that are in pots and in grow bags because that's all we can do out there. Not much in a way weeding needed doing except on the driveway where weeds are just popping up in between all our slabs. So I had to clear those out. I'm sticking with the boiling hot water as well. That seems to work really, really well. And I mentioned this last week. Now in the balcony garden, you know, again, a lot of hanging baskets are going on here. And they seem to work quite well, but they do dry out quite quickly. Don't need much weeding at all. Very, very little weeding is in fact done in these areas. We're getting tomatoes. We've had salad leaves. And I've had to sow some more salads actually today. But I've also... Um, I've lost a plant it seems to have blown away because I can see the pot and this was a banana plant which I put here as a bit of an experiment a bit of fun really because I like bananas and I thought it might do quite well here but it's blown away and I don't know where it's gone at all I cannot see it anywhere 
I bring this up because one of the problems with a patio, with a balcony garden, sorry, is that winds can be a real issue. So this is, just goes to show it, it does need, we're even here, uh, wind is an issue. Now the patio garden, again, lots of water and we've got lots of plants in pots and they do dry out quite quickly. So I've given those all a good water and we've not had to do any real weeding again very easy to keep on top of the weeds in these areas and into the veggie pod I've sown some more salad leaves this is a, a lettuce variety called loose leaf which I'm looking forward to growing and you will treat as a cat and cam again salad I've also sown some spring onions because I well like spring onions now the windowsill garden that is probably the easiest garden to look after except it needs regular watering we grow, mainly grow herbs and, and uh, a few plants in pots in there. And because of that, they just dry out so quickly. So we're getting food. We're not getting a huge amount of food from there. Tomatoes and herbs. But it does need a lot of watering. Now in the main vegetable patch area that our garden is based on, we have got, been getting lots of tabries come in, which are beautiful. We've been getting lots of other crops come in and it's all doing really really well but something I've uh, uh, popped up all over the place is mustard now this self-sowed itself and I've spoken about this before we've been harvesting the mustard and we're getting a lot of it and it is delicious I've got to say but best of all what I like about this is the fact that I haven't had to plant this it's popped up by its own just by leaving a couple of plants to go to seed so I'm very very happy with doing that now I did do a bit of weeding in the main vegetable patch just to keep on top of it. This is where my real time is spent in the vegetable patch area. A lot of weeding does have to go on and watering not so much. It's not so difficult because it's all in the ground. But weeding does take over and does take a long time. And because of that some of the plants like the tabby plant that can get quite big. They also need tying in just to cope with it a little bit better. But this is all the fun of growing our own food. Now I followed that up by going into the greenhouse and sowing some swede and some kale. These are plants that I really want to get growing especially for winter harvests and they're going to go into eventually down on the allotment and probably at home as well but on the allotment particularly where we had potatoes growing once all the potatoes are out. This is the idea of successional sowing. So where the potatoes were, they came out, that area was spare for something else to go in. And Sweden kale is top of my list for this. I'm looking forward to getting these in the ground. I've never really had much luck with Swedes, so hopefully this year is going to be very, very different. Now, I mentioned earlier on in this podcast that I was away this week for an event, and I was at a gardening trade show. And when I was there, there was one company that I've seen before that I wanted to have a really good talk to. And it was called Haughty Wool. Now, these make wool items that are used in a garden. That may not be for vegans, I know, but I think for everyone else, for me, I think this is a good option for what it does. And I'll let Josie from Haughty Wool talk more about that. Right, well, I am today joined by Josie from Haughty Wall. So, what is Haughty Wall, I guess? Ah, good question. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Hello, everyone. Uh, Haughty Wall, um, uh, we're, we're a company that produce um, garden pads and line, line, 
hanging basket liners using sheep's wool, 100% British, British wool. Um, and um, we are um, manufacturers in the UK. Uh, we design in the UK, um, so we're very proud of that. Um, and our, our ethos is around using sustainable materials for gardening, um, and namely at the moment, mainly focused on wool. On wool. Yeah. So, no, I've, I've seen your products a few times now. I've met you at Gardeners World, and I'm uh, quite interested in what you do. The wool has been British, nice and easy found. I know a lot of farmers are struggling to sell wool. Is this something that's opened up the opportunity for you? Yeah, so I think, um, obviously, there is, there is quite a, a challenge with wool not being used and it being abundant so mm-hmm. I think obviously 50 years ago or longer than that now um, pretty much a lot of natural materials and, and um, different materials were replaced by plastics and polyesters um, and I think what's happened then is it, some of those materials that in the past had value have lost a lot of their value so what we're hoping through Horty Wool is we're creating an avenue for that that um, surplus wool um, and showing a value to the material as well as educating people about things that they can do with natural materials um, so the hope is that it then becomes more valuable um, in the whole chain for, for everyone involved Fantastic, yes because I remember watching, I think it was on um, Clarkson's farm that they were cutting the uh, sheep's wool off the, the sheep and it wasn't worth them yeah. selling it on which yeah. I think that's a huge waste huge waste. Yeah it really is I mean the thing with wool is um, it's got so many great properties um, and not only is it a natural material but it has so many properties that it can be used um, for not only in the garden but around the home um, that it's a shame that that is now the case but um, as you say I think um, unfortunately the farmers are in a position where you know, they have to shear their sheep it's welfare of the sheep so they have to be sheared a bit like we have our haircuts um, but actually um, they're not getting the value they should for it and as I say we hope that we're showing um, you know showing the industry showing showing you know hopefully the world at some point that actually wool is a, is, is a great material that will help solve some of the, the issues that plastic have, have caused over the last 50 years yeah absolutely now what are you using wool in your products here today so the products uh, that we are we have here today we have we have three main products that mm-hmm. we've launched with we have plenty in the pipeline but i'm not going to tell you about those today no, you have to uh, check out on our website um but yeah we have um our starter pad which is a small garden pad again made of wool um, um, which can be used for all different all different applications. So it can be used for as a um, capillary matting. It can be used as a growing medium. It's great for growing uh, kind of microgreens, microherbs in without soil. Um, it can be used to germinate plants as well. So to start off, say peas and beans and, and various salads um, without soil as well. Yeah. Um, and it can be used to protection from frost and also be used for protection um, against slugs. Um, slugs don't like um, wool um, and um, the, the, the scientific explanation is that um, wool is a great absorber so it absorbs moisture, so oh. it absorbs the slime. The less technical term is it also tickles their bellies um, so <laughs> they, yeah, they have a good time rolling over it. Right. Um, so they obviously just you know shy away from it. Um, and then we also have, um, so we have a, a starter pad, we have a pack of those pads as well. And mm-hmm. we also then have a hanging basket liner. And obviously for a hanging basket liner, one of the many benefits is that um, wool is, is as a natural material, a natural solution, um, it's, and it's UK made. So it's not, you know, obviously coming over, um, you know, got a lot of air miles in it. It's, it's local. Yeah, yeah. I've seen some of the hanging baskets I've brought have come with this almost plasticky, woody, cheap material. 
which doesn't feel natural to me at all. Uh, yeah, so I think um, I think there's some great. I mean, I, I'm, I think there's some great natural options out there, whether it's wool or, or any other options. Um, but because of um, kind of the research we've done into the wool and the, the development we've done over over the time, um, there's many benefits to using wool. And as you say, you know, um, I think from an aesthetics point of view, I think it looks. I'm, I'm biased, but I think it looks really nice. <laughs> it looks really natural. Yeah. Um, and I think from a quality perspective, wool is um, a very hard wearing material but it's also quite soft and flexible um, so if you think about it there's a reason we, we you know um, army uniforms back in the war were made from wool um, you know people used to have pants made of wool you know there's all sorts of properties to wool that make it I, I believe one of the best natural materials to use for this application yeah. um, but again I will caveat that with that I am biased and I do love wool so um, <laughs> but you, you, there are many options out there um, but as uh, you know we, we, we do believe that the wool is um a great use for this application yeah now how long in, in throughout growing season would your wool last in a say a hanging basket or a pad so we definitely get a season out of it yeah. um, and I think it is a little bit with it being a natural material it is a bit around what, what weather and, and, and the treatment mm-hmm. is exposed to um, really if you dig wool into the soil it should break down between three to six months um, depending on the climate and, and what's going on with it, um, it and the same within compost um, if it's out in the normal normal world it's a bit like if you leave a woolly jumper out it doesn't just rot does it it doesn't just break down so um, it depends on how you ha- handle it and we have had people that have been using it for two seasons um, they just obviously cl- make sure it's nice, kept nice and clean and dry over the winter and then they can use it again and you can always patch it up so if part of it has broken down a little bit you can just you know get a, get one of our starter pads and, and patch it up um, so it's it's, it's, it, I would say it's multi-use and it, it's not going to last as long as plastic but that's the whole issue with plastic is it lasts too long yeah. um, so um, it depends what you're looking for though if you're looking for something that's going to last you you know, 20 years well, you, maybe plastic is the best option but you know, if you're looking for something that's natural um, that doesn't have the microplastics that is um, um, obviously a natural material um, wool is the way to go and, and if you treat it nicely it will last quite a while I'm guessing at the end of the season when it's finished with it can be thrown in the compost bin anyway to, to rot down so it's biodegradable as well exactly yeah yeah so it's um completely completely i say biodegradable completely compostable um and it can be either you can use it i mean and we've had a few different suggestions on this as well it's great that gardeners are really creative people um and although we have a list of uses that we say it can be used for we've also then got another batch of uses that people have said they've used it for as well so um you know with the hanging basket liner i know that there was um a couple of people that said that they'd uh, had a hanging basket and then they'd grown, um, they'd grown something. So once they hang grass, they then put cress seeds um, or, or microgreens onto that and grown something with it. And then they've dug it into the soil. Um, and equally, um, in the winter, they've um, got you know, the hanging basket and they've used the felt to go around plants. So although then it will start to break, break down, um, you've got um, uh, multi-uses out of it. Multi-uses, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fantastic, fantastic. Now, if anybody like myself is interested in buying your products, yeah. where would they head to to buy and find out more so um, we have our website so uh, Um and you can buy direct online we have our garden we have our uh, garden pad pack so that's a pack of five garden pads and we have um, our hanging basket liners where you get two in a pack um, and we are hoping within the next six months to be w- within physical retail stores as well so um, that's the goal um, going into going into the next few months is to really get our product out there get the brand out there and if anyone has any questions or all the contact details on the website so please do um, we're sponges at the moment so any feedback people have any questions people have please do get in ch- touch we are open to 
to, to all comments and, and, and questions. Fantastic. I will, of course, add all these links in the uh, blog post for this podcast, so don't feel some memory test. <laughs> Josie, thank you so much for joining me and sharing about your product. I look forward to seeing what happens in the future. Always thank you very much for having me, and uh, I hope, hopefully the weather's good in the next few months and people can get some great gardening out of it. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you very thank much. Thank you. Have a good one. It is Monday the 4th of July 2022 today and I am in my kitchen as we always tend to finish off the weekly diary. Now first of all I just want to say that Josie very kindly gave me a sample of the Haughty Wall Pads and I am trying these out by sowing some kale seeds directly onto those and see how we get on with that. I will report back how well it works and how we get on with it over the next few weeks. But I'm really quite intrigued with everything that Haughty Wool is producing. Everybody knows I hate waste and if I can see waste being put to a good use then I think it's great. And unfortunately woolen sheep's wool has become a waste material. Now, earlier today, I popped down to my allotment, as I quite often do, and while I was there, I happened to chat to my allotment neighbour. Now, my allotment neighbour, he's he used to be a customer of mine, and we've got quite chatty, actually, and a lovely bloke, but he was telling me that his wife volunteers at a local community fridge. And what a community fridge is, is it gives away food that is going out of date that is collected from supermarkets so basically at the end of every night they go and collect any food that might be going out of date and they give it away to people who tend to arrive at their community fridge they do ask for a small donation and I bring this up I it's not a food bank like I first thought when I heard of the fridge it is a way of reducing food waste going to the, the landfill. So that goes in with a lot of my common beliefs. I do not like waste. And it is open for everyone, they tell me. So if you are struggling with a cost of living crisis and you are struggling to feed yourself, obviously you're growing your own food, this might help just as a little bit extra. I hear it's possible to go in there, you can get squash or breads and then so on. So check it out tap into google and see if you have a community fridge local to you we're going to be looking at and seeing if we can pop down there and join in as well and uh, I, I look forward to seeing just what is going to waste everybody knows i hate waste now talking of cooking our food we have the recipe of the week now we actually cooked this last night and it's slightly out of season. Usually when I do these recipes, I like to talk about what's in season. But the big shock or the big harvest this week has been the blackberries. They have been absolutely delicious, very, very early. And what we did with them is turned them into a blackberry crumble. Very, very tasty. And it's basically the same as cooking an apple crumble, except we just substitute the apple for blackberries. Now, there is a recipe link in the show notes for this episode if you want to check it out. But basically, in a very quick, rough idea how we did it, we took the blackberries and we popped them in the bottom of a Pyrex dish. In a separate bowl, we rubbed butter and flour together until it became breadcrumbs, added a bit of sugar, 
then poured this crumble mixture over the top of the blackberries, baked in the oven for about 45 minutes, and there we go. It was absolutely beautiful and tasty. So please do go check that recipe out. There's no reason why you can't use any other fruit, tayberries or raspberries instead. Just uh, I thought I'd share that with you. And when blackberry season does come along, this might be something that you want to do. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. If you do have anything you want to add, Richard at uk is my email address. If you want to visit the website at uk, you can actually leave a comment on the bottom of our blog post or you can leave a voicemail that we can play in on a future podcast. It'd be great to get some more voices on the podcast. Now, added to that, if you have enjoyed this podcast and you want to support the work that we do, please do leave a review on your podcast app. That goes a really long way to helping us get found. But also, we have the Supporters Club, which is how we really keep the podcast going, pay for the servers and all the other little things that we have to pay for to keep this podcast running. For that, I charge just £5 a month. And for that, you get six packs of seeds sent to your door every month that can be sown that month, along with a newsletter. And you get extra behind the scenes podcasts that go out about twice a week. So please do become a supporter member if you can afford it. It'd be great to see you there. Now, finally, don't forget to check us out on social media. Just search for the Veg Grow Podcast on whatever social media you are using. We're on most of them, um, and we uh, are trying to get into posting more and more on our social media platforms. Right, well, we'll be back again next time. So until then, please take care.